Hey everybody, welcome to the Yid and the Shiksa, episode number two. Today's guest is Victoria Lozano. She is a dear friend and an inspiration for this podcast. True story. Um, Yom Kippur, Chicago, Kent. Uh, Victoria and I both went to Chicago, Kent, College of Law. And Chicago, Kent has a really cool policy for the Jewish people. Yes. It's, it's cool for the other people too, but it's, yes. Um, where the building is actually completely closed for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And Victoria comes over to me um, as a very Jewish person. You know, my beard gave that away. <laughs> and she says, Suriel, what is Yom Kippur? I was, I was very confused. And yeah. why is the building closed? Yeah. And that was really the inspiration for this podcast um, way back when. So, Victoria, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you the interview spiel. <laughs> uh, so I am a, a first-generation American. My father is Colombian and my mother is British. They met in Germany. And then they immigrated over to the States in the 80s. Um, they had me, my brother, they had a, you know, my older sister. Um, and then I, we lived in Jersey for a while. And then I predominantly grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Fertile Myrtle. <laughs> I say Dirty Myrtle. Dirty Myrtle. <laughs> dirty Myrtle. Um, which is the, and I actually was in Surfside Beach, which is a much better, smaller beach town than Myrtle Beach, just south of Myrtle Beach. Um, so, but I grew up there and then I did my undergrad there as well at this uh, place, Coastal Carolina University. I started out uh, as a marine science, but then I failed chemistry like three times. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I should write. So I started <laughs> pivot from the biology. I did a little pivot. Yeah. I was getting better grades writing uh, science reports anyway. So I became a writer and I ended up um wanting to be a professor so i started on that track i went to appalachian state in boone north carolina where i got my masters uh while there i also got a certificate in rhetoric and composition which is just fancy way of saying writing and i also got a certificate in women and gender studies I got my master's, got those certificate programs. I ended up teaching at university, first at App State, and then I actually moved back home and taught at Coastal Carolina. And I actually got to teach women in gender studies. And that's where I was like, okay, women are needed in law. So that's what kind of prompted me to come up uh, to look for law schools. And the only reason why I chose Chicago is because of the giant lake that's here. The only reason I had lived in the mountains, I hated it. It was too woody, too isolated. I needed water and Chicago was beautiful. I loved it. And I found Chicago Kent and uh, yeah. Fast forward now, present day, Victoria has graduated, is mm-hmm. pending results from the bar, which we know she definitely kicked. Yeah. We're sure about that. I hope. Victoria also has her own business. Victoria's I company do. is blue7content.com, mm-hmm. which is a legal marketing SEO company uh, and helps create 
positive rankings and traction for small businesses or all size businesses, yes. primarily law firms. Yes. Um, check it out. But Victoria, currently lawyer, business owner. Yeah. Shaking and bacon. Shaking and bacon. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm excited. And uh, so today's episode, we're going to talk about, as Victoria mentioned in her personal story, uh, you know, women in the, in the professional realm and especially now with your own business and as a lawyer, very professional mm. um, and how that maybe ties or uh, pivots back to my story and Judaism and religious Judaism and the women in that realm, but also my personal story, even though I'm not a woman, my personal story, which definitely also had its um, differences. Yes. Okay, so let's dive right in. Victoria, why don't you tell us a little bit about the culture of Dirty Myrtle? I like to say Fertile Myrtle, but Victoria <laughs> insists. It's dirty. It's very dirty. <laughs> I would I would like to say it's like way more dangerous than Chicago. <laughs> but we, we can talk about that in a different episode for sure. Uh, so Dirty Myrtle. Yeah, growing up in Myrtle Beach, that was interesting uh, because... You know, my mother was British, my father was Colombian, so I had all those influences in the home. And because my father worked outside the home, uh, he would travel back and forth from New Jersey to Myrtle. So I really was just raised by my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you know, as a proper British woman, you know, <laughs> we, we had tea time and we always had tea and cookies. Oh, and great. we had, no, she had PG tips. It was PG like tips. a legit, you drink black tea, don't. Like you have a spot of milk in it, no sugar. Oh wow! It's like a very much a like a thing. Like if you have sugar in your tea, like ugh, judgment, <laughs> firm judgment. So mom brought us up right in that. So we had this little like like this incubation of England in the home, in the home. and then when I left the home, I was met with you know southern twang and <laughs> loud trucks, southern music. In high school, there was, you know, boys had the big, you know, trucks and the girls rode in the trucks. And it was very much, you know, you partner up with a girl, you partner up with a guy. There was no sense of like queerness, you know. Um, I knew that that I was a bisexual like very early on. And so it was uh, difficult for me to kind of navigate those waters. Um, so, and another thing I didn't realize was Growing up in a home where my mom really taught us to be like independent and taught us to be self-sustaining that I didn't realize that the girls around me were like looking for husbands. Mm -hmm. That never occurred to me. You were just having a fun time. I was having a good time. (laughs) Like take me to the fair. Here for a fun time, not a long time. Exactly. Yeah. Like we'll go down to the pier, you know, (laughs) we'll tussle in the sand, but like, I don't want your number. It was a bit of a shock to me, kind of like years later, kind of reflecting, being like, oh, I, did I miss that memo, you know, that I should right. be like looking for marriage? So because I wasn't really looking <laughs> for any of that marriage, babies, you know, I was able to dive right into to my academics because that's something that I always really, really mm-hmm. loved and really cherished. And, you know, as I mentioned at Coastal, I got dived really into writing. I loved academic writing. I loved research writing. Uh, I was starting on that track to be a professor. 
And so a lot of that noise of like, oh, you're a girl, you're a woman, you need to be, you know, doing this, you need to be doing that, that, that kind of quieted down in those spaces. I was able to, to really kind of be myself. It sounds like the culture at the school was a little different than yes in, in the educational system. The university the educational system. Yeah, the university. <laughs> and the college level. The college level. At the college yes. level. These you know, like more traditional roles weren't yeah. really there. And specifically in your, in this areas that you studied. Yes. So particularly in writing and in women and gender studies, I had nothing but like women professors. Like I think I had three or four male professors, but majority were women that were teaching, you know, writing and women and gender studies. So I was able to really cultivate a sense of myself there, which is what I think the beauty of higher education does, right, is, is allow you that space to cultivate your sense of self. Uh, and then it also gave me the ability to kind of like critically think about, okay, where do I want to go, you know, next without being like burdened with those other societal Right. expectations right that um they so the university kind of created that similar incubation for you yeah it did that your actually. house did yeah you being able to find that yeah in the university looking yeah. for it just as you were growing up and not really focused on the culture around you but that's also where i started to like fracture right i started to kind of look at what i was teaching and i I started getting really interested in technical writing and business writing. So I had asked a couple colleagues in the business college. I was able to kind of straddle both departments. I was both in the business college and I was in the English department in the rhetoric side. And uh, there was some tension there, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I, I still can't quite articulate what that tension is other than the business writing, the business school was just really money oriented. There was definitely a somewhat of a culture difference, e even in between those two departments and how we executed teaching. And you got some backlash from going from teaching in the writing department yeah. to teaching in the business school. Yeah. And you did that also from your family, having that background, first, first generation American parents. Yeah. I think that's what really that that was the seed that was finally starting to sprout right was okay me you've got this master's degree you're a lecturer at a university it doesn't pay that well right, right? you always need like, to provide that, that's I, it yes, you always need to I, be provided exactly when when you are when you come from an from a, a, a second generation right so when you come from an immigrant family like growing up i'm seeing my parents juggle multiple jobs right my mother did paper routes she did baking she did hair like you know so i grew up with this and and it was instilled in me like you got to keep you got to keep going you got to you got to be happy with where you are but you got to think about your next step there's always that that you can't be stagnant right there's a risk in being in right. being stagnant so so your family really integral in a creating that incubation for you from a younger age going uh -huh. to the pier not looking for a hubby <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> then helping you when you're studying in university, helping you mm -hmm. to make that shift and focus on your studies mm -hmm. and pick areas of study where you knew women could be successful and ultimately teaching in those same programs mm -hmm. as a professor. Mm -hmm. And then again, your family helping you with your business and going to teach in the business side of school, yeah. the business side of the school. 
And then ultimately you start your own business. Yeah. And again, from your family, that background of always making sure you can be doing as many things as possible. And mm -hmm. it sounds like your family really created for you a haven, a yeah, incubation like away a from, yeah. from some of the struggles. And now at, at Blue at Blue Seven Content, is it mm -hmm. all hunky dory now that you're <laughs> running your own business? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I so in in speaking in the sense of of being a woman, and I am met with those types of issues still. So for example, my business partner, I've known him since fifth grade. He's amazing. We're literally best friends. And we'll He's not walk as good of a friend as I am. No. Me and Victoria are actually best friends. He's I mean, like second I'm best gonna friend. plead the fifth on that. She's playing the fifth. It's all going downhill. Exactly. Uh but so you know we'll we'll go to Zoom meetings, right? And I am kind of just like a person there. Anything in the digital world, anything in the technical world is, is men. Women are so small. So, you know, as a woman being in that space, it's just like natural, quote unquote, for them to talk to the man in the room. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm, hello. Like I own this business too. It's blue seven. Right. Like it's, it's all of us in <laughs> it, you know? So, but it's okay. I learned when to put in my, you know, when to put in my voice. So it sounds like really your family and your story helped you to till today, having your own business, graduating law school, had you not had that strong support and that incubation from your childhood, from, you know, your British mom in the tea time without <laughs> yeah. the sugar. Yes. No sugar. <laughs> it might not have been the same. And right. that's really incredible. And that's amazing uh, to hear how you were able to do that and still able to let the fact that no one's looking at you at the meeting. Right. You know, I just... still, you still carry on, right? Like you still push forward. Yeah. Uh, I never, it's funny. Like I never really thought about that as like incubation periods, but, but really I did. I, I really did try to find my like quote unquote safe spaces, right? These periods in my life where I could kind of just sit in and, and shield myself right. from these expectations. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, We'll talk for a minute now uh, to contrast Victoria's story. Mm -hmm. um, actually, not contrast. It's kind of similar in certain ways yeah. to growing up in a religious Jewish household. Um, and then a little bit of my story growing up, uh, going to the yeshiva and what that's like different from, you know, a career and what a yeshiva, you know, the focus of the yeshiva was also incubated, but not to the same. Yeah. Not for the I same. I was thinking uh, that. Yeah. Same, similar, but different. Yeah. Okay. So now that Victoria told us a little bit about herself, thank you so much for sharing. Of course. Uh, I want to talk for a minute about um, similar topic in the Jewish religious world, the Orthodox world, and especially my world, the Shiva world. So let's start with the Orthodox world. And I think this is true even in, <clears throat> excuse me, even in secular Judaism today, wherever it is, whatever type of Judaism, the family is really important. Right. Family unit is, is, you know, I grew up with seven siblings or eight kids in my family. Uh, my oldest sister, bless her soul has five kids. Wow. Second sister has three, you know, the family yeah. unit's yeah. important. And that, that value comes at, at, you know, not a sacrifice, but give and take. It does. And right. 
career is important, but it's viewed a lot in a lot of ways as a means to an end mm -hmm. and the end always being family. Some of my, some of my uh, siblings were brother, one of my brothers-in-law, he studies in, in yeshiva till, till today. It's his full-time job. Yeah. And you know, my sister has a career she's very successful, but she also has five kids and has a family. And that's a very common thing. My experience to shift a little bit, like I said, even though I'm not a woman, <laughs> but growing up in the yeshiva world, the only career, so like yeshiva is the most intense version of Orthodox Judaism, where I studied Talmud 12 hours a day. It was an all boys institution yeah, starting from high school, very intense. Uh, and the only career that was really ever considered a viable option is a career in, in, in the yeshiva, which is to continue to study. That was really the, the most opportune. That's number one. There are certain communities in the States. Some people might've heard Lakewood, New Jersey has thousands. It's like spreading a, a out. Decent population. Decent population. A decent population. Of okay. Orthodox Jews who primarily who just study in yeshiva all day. That is their full-time wow. job. And there, there is no focus at all on a career. And if you are going to go to school, if you are going to get an undergraduate degree or a master's degree, or a law degree, whatever it is, it's looked at as a complete, as a necessity to support mm, the family, Right. a complete secondary, um, right. not at all something that's focused on as you should have a career, you should put, you know, your interest, your interests were studying. If you didn't yeah. like the Talmud, suck it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> got it. You know, that was like the expectation. Yeah. That's it's, the expectation. it's so obvious. Um, right. And so for me, transitioning uh when i left the yeshiva and i was becoming secular um discovering that it it is important to have a career to find a, a profession a passion of yours that you enjoy doing and i mentioned in the previous episode that it wasn't so obvious to go from yeshiva to law school and part of that was because it wasn't so obvious to go anywhere yeah that Co makes sense now careers weren't really considered something that were pursued. Right. And yes, thankfully, you know, my, my father's an accountant. And like I mentioned, my sister, she's a CPA and all my siblings. Uh, one sister's a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Wow. All the siblings, thankfully, you know, we've all pushed really hard, but growing up in a religious environment, and then especially me in the yeshiva, it yeah. took me a lot of time. And that's really my year at Starbucks between uh, graduating from the yeshiva and going to law school it was like 18 months working at Starbucks. A big part of that was really discovering for myself, okay, I know I'm going to be working. I know I need a job. What's it going to be? Oh my God. Figuring it out. Was Starbucks your incubator? Star yeah. <laughs> you might say that. You might say I that. I love that. The caramel macchiatos. The caramel the, uh, macchiatos. Mocha the, lattes, the I think it was at the 4 a.m. shift. 4.30. Right? 4.30 a.m. Yeah. shift, man. That, that gives you character. I remember going to some architect that I met at Starbucks and being like, hey, you're an architect. Can I come to your office and just see what you do? Oh, that's cool. I remember doing that with, a, with an attorney, uh, going to her office. I ended up working for her during the summer. That's awesome. Just these people I would meet. But it was really a time for me to discover mm -hmm. not only what career, but the fact that I was going to have a career and that I was going to go to school for right. something and start from like 
step one. And that's something that wasn't really at all on the horizon. Yeah. You know, when you study in the yeshiva, you were, it's like, you weren't even studying to be a rabbi. It was like, everyone just studied. And if you ended up becoming a rabbi, you ended up becoming a rabbi, but you just study. That's your career. Like I mentioned, the yeshiva is a step more intense than Orthodox Judaism. There are a lot of Jews who are Orthodox that don't go to yeshiva. A lot of Jewish men who do go to college, but in the yeshiva world, that that wasn't really the case. And when you go to yeshiva, it, it's a little bit of a different framework and more intense than the regular Orthodox Jews. Also, to clarify, we did study in the yeshiva, and we did get I did get a degree in Talmudic law, and that was what allowed me to go to law school. So I did have some you know, bachelor's degree, but I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a cell phone. There was no internet. There was no Wi-Fi. There, there was no technology involved. And there was no sense of studying something that you were going to one day make a career out of. I would say even in law school, the thing that was probably the most difficult was the things that come with that transition. When you're, when you're going to study now in a career, in a professional setting, less the actual material was that was difficult that i had been doing for in the yeshiva for so long more the understanding of fitting that into a you know professionalism okay <laughs> responding to emails right knowing yeah. what classes to go to creating that environment for myself but this is going to be a career as a simple example i remember it was probably the first day of orientation and i they kept saying like they sent us this stuff in, in our emails. They sent this, this stuff to our emails. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I, I've been checking my Gmail and I haven't received any of these emails. And I go to the bathroom and I say to this guy, and I, I remember who it was, but I said, I'm like, what are they talking about? Like what email? And he was like, he was kind enough to explain it to me without making me, you know, feel like a total idiot. But in three seconds, he showed me how to like access my school email which I had no idea even existed. I had never gone to a school before where you got a school email. And so myriads of things where you just had to, I just had to learn. Right. And yeah. from the, from the outside, from an outsider looking in who doesn't know anything about this, I'm like, if you're studying, of course you'd go into some type of, yeah. you know, academic or legal career. That seems really natural, but you were, you were literally breaking norms. Yeah it's such a process because yeah. it's so not on the horizon mm -hmm. to use the yeshiva at all in any way other than the direct you know purpose the direct purpose of studying right well it was nice to share my story with you victoria to hear your story and to know that even though we didn't have the same journey we both had similar experiences in terms of maybe adversity or finding our places to end up at chicago kent to have you barge in on me on Yom Kippur. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for giving yeah. us your time. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you laughed. Maybe A little bit. Something. Maybe learned something. We laughed. So we hope you did. Yeah. And join us for next time.